Bam 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 that was the intro jingle uh, sung by the man who wrote it. Oh, God. I should have done a better job. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Um, welcome back, everybody, to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. We welcome our listeners, friends, lovers, acquaintances, <laughs> People stalking me on Hinge. Whoever you are, welcome. We are here. Except for the stalkers. Well, I mean that in like the fun way. Like I'm oh, going to Facebook fun. stalk okay, you. Yeah, 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 yeah God, yeah. I'm not so narcissistic as to think <laughs> someone's actually stalking me. I'm okay, just not a, narcissistic. I would be like, oh my God. I'm just the right amount the of self-involved <laughs> to be like, maybe somebody's going to hear I have a podcast and like just peep it out. Right, right. So if this is the episode you're listening to, welcome. Oh my God, they just drop in on this episode. <laughs> they just decided to. To, uh, swipe left. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> on this. Well, welcome to you. Welcome. Misty's really wonderful, and you should be so lucky to get to date her. <laughs> That's my message <laughs> to you. you. Thank you. Um, I'd like to believe that, but uh, listen, the, most days I'm like, oh, I'm going to die alone for sure. Oh my God. What yeah. a perfect segue. What a perfect segue. So welcome back, everybody. This is part two of a special two-part episode uh, where Sav, our incredible audio producer, is presenting All About Love by Bell Hooks. So if this is your first time tuning into the podcast, this is probably a weird episode to drop in on because every week um, we read and review a popular self-help book. We give you all of the epiphanies, all of the nuggets of trash that you should <laughs> ignore. Um, we we read it. We share the main points with you. We try to think critically about it so that you can decide if you want to read the book or not read the book. Yeah. You know, the end. Or not, yeah. um, but every now and then a book is so good and so involved that we do a two-parter to cover it. So this is the second part of this episode. If you want to catch up, just go to last week's, listen to part one. Um, and we're going to dive in. So where did we leave off, Seth? Yeah. Well, just on that note, I want to say uh, this whole process of reading a book and presenting it has given me so much new respect for what Misty and Lisa do. <laughs> I mean, the the way, the ease, the dexterity, the poise, the professionalism oh my in which they <laughs> distill books down to their essence is amazing. Thank um, you. Thank you for saying that. And it's, a, it's true. They're doing the emotional labor for all of you. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of labor, and they do it. I mean, what four four times a month plus? Oh, sometimes five. Sometimes if it's five. A, if it's a plus month with the five mini weeks. shows for just yeah. extra goodness. Yeah. Well, we love it, and thank you for saying that. And uh, you know, don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> it's not for everyone. Yeah. And so, I, just as a quick recap, so the last episode. Belle walked us through um, a, a definition about love, yes. how in childhood we're taught how to love in good or ways and taught. bad ways. Yeah. We talked about how like men and women are both taught to put on different sort of fronts, dis- fronts and yeah. false displays like men are taught to be really tough and never show their feelings and mm-hmm. women a lot of times like change what they're feeling to try and please others. So we're all right. sort of lying to each other yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't allow for Right. Full acceptance. Yes. Right? So that's like the briefest oh, summary. Great summary. Thanks so much. Don't, uh, don't listen to the whole other episode. No, Just you really should. Jump it's in good. right here. It's good. Sav's crushing no, it. No. Um, so um, where are we diving into now? Well, that's a great place to leave off because the next chapter, um, where do you go? You know, if you're this broken from childhood, you've learned to put on a false self. And, and I you're think not feeling loved you're not or feeling loving. Loved. Yeah. So um, I think... She moves into a great place, which is um, learning to love yourself. She calls it commitment, which I thought was really interesting. So mm. committing yourself to loving yourself. and Great. And what is interesting is that the majority of this chapter then falls into a discussion about self-esteem. Great. I'm here for this because I do not have high self-esteem. Which you should because you're wonderful. I mean, Thank and amazing you. and so smart and... Thank you for saying I could that. Li- it's so funny because I could list off a hundred compliments about how great you are, right? Thank but you. I'm sure running through your mind, uh, similar to me, right? It's like yeah. uh, that that kindness that we extend towards others isn't there for ourselves. Right. And I think we even talk about this in 
Oh, my God. Is it the charisma myth, maybe? The book, mm. The Charisma Myth? Oh, but there's yeah. a difference between, and we talk about it in Gloria Steinem's book. Um, oh, my God. What is the name of Gloria Steinem's Oh, my book? gosh. G- Gloria Steinem. Gloria <laughs> Need to say Steinem. no more. She talks about, uh, and we have an episode on this. Just look for the Gloria Steinem <laughs> book. Um, um, she talks about core self-esteem versus the other kind of self-esteem, which is escaping me right now. But like core self-esteem is like, I am good just as I am. And the other kind of self-esteem is like, I am good only because of what I do. Oh my gosh. Um, And I think that's why I'm so high achieving is because I don't have that core self-esteem. But Mm. anyway, oh, the book's called, you guys, come on, Revolution from Within. Oh, right. Thank you. So scroll to that episode if you want to hear more. Yeah. Work of, yes. Do you feel like you have high self-esteem? Um, it's, I think that I'm learning to be kinder to myself and hopefully it will, as I'm being more and more kind to myself, my self-esteem is growing. Awesome. And that's I love been hearing that. 30 years of work. Yeah. I love hearing that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a definitely a process, but so, so speaking of that process, um, she actually devotes most of this chapter to um, the work of Nathaniel Brandon and his work, uh, his work, Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. Oh. So Nathaniel Brandon highlights important dimensions of self-esteem. One, the practice of living consciously. Okay. Two, self-acceptance. Three, self-responsibility. Four, self-assertiveness. Five, living with purpose. And six, the practice of personal integrity. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this might be another book you have to read. And it's funny because this is a very meta um, book within a book. <laughs> I was she's just about to say. this book. Right. And we're summarizing hers. This is crazy. I was. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to need to read this chapter for myself already. For like sure. I already yeah. feel like yeah. there's not enough time in the world. Like, no, we could, there's not. We could do a whole. But maybe we should read that book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds like a good one. But so base, I'll just give like one little anecdote from each. Um Brandon contends to live consciously, so it's the first one, means to seek to be aware of everything that bears on our actions, purposes, values, and goals. Great. To the best of our ability um, and to behave in our accordance with that which we see and know. So, uh, yeah, just looking at yourself and being conscious about it so that yes. you can you know, see what you value and yes. what's important. Um, the second is self-acceptance. Self-acceptance is hard for many of us. There is a voice inside that is, this is Bell writing there's a voice inside that is constantly judging first ourselves and then others that voice enjoys the indulgence of endless negative critique yes um i like that she calls it an indulgence yeah it's an interesting perspective it is an interesting perspective yeah Yeah. um that there's something like masochistic about beating yourself up right yeah you're indulging in this this is yeah something you're letting happen yeah um, because we have learned to believe negativity is more realistic it appears more real than any positive voice but basically she's just saying that we need to disenable that. Oh, that constant blows negative my feedback. mind. That's true. Why do we think negativity is more real than positivity? I don't know. I didn't realize that till you just said it, but it's true. I'm like, oh no, I give negative things a lot more credence than positive things. Yeah, and I think that also we um, tend to view pessimism as equated to realism and optimism as equated to like head in the clouds. Head in the clouds. Yeah. When really reality is just reality. Oh, my God. Right? Oh, my God. I know. So this, this might be a book we need to read, too. Jeez. Um, the third one is self-responsibility, and that's the willingness to take responsibility for your actions and the attainment of your goals. Yes. And this actually gets into, I, I love on this podcast, you guys are always so um, astute in bringing, folding in social justice. So she continues, taking responsibility does not mean that we deny the reality of institutionalized justice. For example, racism, sexism, and homophobia all create barriers and concrete incidents of discrimination. Simply taking responsibility does not mean that we can prevent discriminatory acts from happening, but we can choose how to respond. So I think she's actually speaking to people who are marginalized here. And she's saying, look, like taking responsibility doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen to you. Yes. Um, And so Taking responsibility means that in the face of these barriers, we still have the capacity to invent our own lives, to shape our destinies in the way that maximizes our well-being. Wow. So, yeah. It's really powerful. It is, yeah. Because it's like, even if you have institutionalized racism, sexism, poverty, it's like, all you can control is your reaction. Right. That sucks. Yeah. It sucks, and it's also powerful, and it's also, and it also... 
Right. I don't know. Yeah, but I think that um, it's it's a good point. It's like that quote that um, the serenity to accept what I can't change, the wis- uh, the courage yeah, God, to change it, what yeah, I can. God give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, I think that that kind of gets into it. So wow. with, within that, taking responsibility for the portion that you can change. Yeah. Um, the fourth one is self-assertiveness. I think the, the, uh, the willingness to stand up for yourself, to be openly who you are, and to treat yourself with respect in all human encounters. To treat yourself with respect. Uh-huh. Wow. That's that is really powerful. So powerful. And something and she particularly says that women, I also feel myself like this is something that a lot of women struggle with and a lot of more feminine men struggle with is being self-assertive. Yes. Oh my god. Oh yeah, <laughs> I always find I'm I'm trying to respect the other person or not come off as too aggressive, yeah. but it's like if you're coming from a lens of I want to respect myself. Oh my god, yeah. That kind of eliminates a lot of the other nuances that right. you might be diving into. And I, I love that. Particularly for people who are attuned to respecting others, it's extending that and knowing you when you're being disrespected and standing up for yourself. Holy shit. Yeah. So that's another wow. one. Um, thank you, Bell. Yeah, and then and thank you also uh, to the author Nathaniel of, yeah, Nathaniel Brandon. Thank you, um, a man with two first names. <laughs> we love that kind of man, um, Bob Bob Ray, Ray. Jake <laughs> John. Thank Jake John. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so then the fifth one is living purposely. So, so then once you've like done this self assessment, once you've done this al- aligning. And then also standing up for yourself is taking responsibility for consciously creating goals, identifying the actions necessary to achieve them. So yes. just making sure you follow through on all this. I'm loving this list. Yeah. And uh, that that extends to the last one, which is just the practice of personal integrity. Anyway, th- this chapter is great. Um, and I think we can – this is one of the ones where I'll leave it with a little bit of a cliffhanger. Go read it yourself. Yeah, it um, sounds really, really powerful. But she, she – yeah, so she ends it on nice words, which are, we can give ourselves unconditional love that is the grounding for sustained acceptance and affirmation. When we give this precious gift to ourselves, we are able to reach out to others from a place of f- fulfillment and not from a place of lack. I love that. Yeah. One of the best guides to how to be self-loving is to give ourselves the love we are dreaming about receiving from others. Isn't that interesting? And you know what's funny? Every now and then I'll work up the nerve to buy myself flowers because Mm. I love to receive flowers as a gift. And um, uh, But it's so funny because I – at my Trader Joe's, yeah. I walk in and the first thing that's there is a flower stand. I have to walk by this massive flower stand yeah. to go in or out of the store. And a lot of times, like, a bouquet of daisies is like three ninety nine. It's like $4. Yeah. But I go, I can't afford this indulgence. Like, I'm not going to spend $4. If I bought myself a bouquet every week, that's $12. That's $144 <laughs> that's a Netflix year. account. <laughs> my God. Yeah. And, um... But when I do buy myself flowers, it is an act of self. Like, that's literally an act of love that I'm dreaming of oh, receiving from another person. I love that. And I that. don't, I'm, listen, I'm self assigning homework. That is great. I'm going to go buy myself flowers today. And everybody, as Valentine's Day just passed, I yeah. don't know how you're feeling about it, how it went for you, but like, I'm giving you all homework. How, identify a place where you're dreaming of love from someone else, go give it to yourself. Yep. Thanks. That's beautiful. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thank <And> you, next. <laughs> that is a commitment to loving yourself. There you go. All right. So the next chapter um, is spirituality. Um, basically, in some, this is just she's talking about how in order to achieve love, we should look at the spiritual components of our life and our spiritual practices. And um, just in case there's anyone joining us who didn't listen to episode one, this idea of spirituality isn't religious no right it was something like it's where like soul and body and mind connect exactly right um yes and i think what she talks about so she is a christian and and does meditation okay um so i think she is coming from a, a a religious perspective but she does extend 
that definition of spirituality, which Great. is that it doesn't have to come from there. Great, which I love because I personally am not religious. Yeah. So it's I always feel like it's not accessible to me if right. it's not a more sort of earthly For sure, definition. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so she talks about, um, you know, how um, a lot of religions are a good place to look for, um, you know, speaking on love. Uh, she quotes Dr. Martin Luther King, when I speak of love, I am not speaking of some sentimental and weak response. I am speaking of the force which all of the great religions have seen as the supreme unifying principle of life. Love is somehow the key that unlocks the door which leads to the ultimate reality. Um, then she quotes St. John, let us love one another for love is God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And, uh, you know, just other examples of where in spirituality um, love should be. Thank you. <laughs> the emphasis should be the guiding principle. Thank you. Um, uh, she quotes um, Merton uh, in his essay, Love and Need. Love is, in fact, intensification of life, a completeness, a fullness, a wholeness of life. Life curves upward to a peak of intensity, a high point of value and meaning at which all of its latent and creative possibility go into action, and the person transcends himself or herself in the encounter, response, and communion with another. Wow. Yeah. Um, so That's a yeah, nice way to put it. Yeah. And it's just uh, she's what she t- what she draws from all of these is that there's always an emphasis for work on love as an active force that should lead us into greater communion with the world. Um, so it's not just like this this feeling or this virtue. It's it's an act, mm-hmm. uh, and she felt like that was kind of missing the idea of it as an act. A, yeah, because it does feel like love is a state. Yeah, it's a state you're in. I'm in love, not no. I am loving. An action. Yeah. yeah, which I love. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a commitment to the spiritual life means that we embrace the eternal principle that love is all, everything, our true destiny. Yes. Um, so yeah, I really think it's a it's a nice chapter. Um, connecting, you know, for those um, spiritually inclined or, you know, or those with the respect for it, um, just to to connect it to love. So if you're interested, definitely read the book. Do you feel like you could skip that chapter if you are not spiritual? Um, are there still nuggets of wisdom to be gleaned? I think it's respectful enough that and and um, open enough that there's still nuggets to be gleaned. It's okay. not like in it's your face it. about it's it. It's worthwhile. Okay. Heal. Yeah. Um, yeah, she kind of, this sums it up with my belief is God is love, that love is everything in our true destiny, and this sustains me. I affirm these beliefs through daily meditation and prayer, through contemplation and service, through worship and loving kindness. So, yeah, she's just talking about how for her, her spiritual practice helps her to be grounded in love. Great. Yeah. I like that. Um, I think moving on from there, uh, speaking in general to just how we all can apply this to our lives, she moves into the next chapter, which is values, living by a love ethic. And some ways I'm like, okay, is this like, is Bell Hooks just starting a whole new religion? Right, right. um, Yeah, so this next chapter, uh, values, is kind of how we all can apply this to our lives. This new thing. It's called values. um, Yeah, and living by a love ethic. So this just kind of gets into like that love should be that, that grounding force within all our interactions. Like that's how you filter your whole life through? Yeah, kind of. Wow. Right? So, um, Oh, it sounds exhausting. <laughs> yeah. But she starts at an inter- interesting place, which is how, um, awakening can, to love can only happen when we let go of our obsession with power and domination. Culturally, all spheres of American life, politics, religion, the workplace, uh, domestic households, intimate relationship should and could have love as their foundation, but really um, it's often power and domination that is the fundamental. Thank you, patriarchy. Thank you. Um, Thank building you, patriarchy. Blocks of these institutions or these, these facets of our life. So, you know, it's going to require radical change to live by a love ethic yes. where we um, value loyalty and commitment to sustain bonds over material advancement. Um, you know, while career and making money remain important agendas, but they never take over, you know, valuing and nurturing human life and well-being. Yes. Cultures of domination rely on cultivation of fear as a way to ensure obedience. Um, often fear becomes the primary force upholding the structures. When we are taught that safety uh, safety lies always with sameness, then difference of any kind will appear as a threat. When we choose to love, we choose to move against fear, against alienation and separateness. The choice to love is a choice to connect, to find ourselves in others. That is such a powerful sentence. Fear is the force that upholds the structures. And when sameness is equated to safety. Yeah. 
Holy shit. Exactly. So we all just fall into these patterns. And, yeah, yeah, and we're just afraid to branch out because difference our, is a threat, even good change. Even good change. Right? Yeah. Even if somebody's like, I'll give you your dream job and your right, dream right. city and you can live in a dream apartment. Like, why do we hesitate? Right. We do. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. Belle. Yeah. My God. So Belle ends this on a uh, chapter on to live our lives based on principles of a love ethic. And then she quotes, um, showing care, respect, knowledge, integrity, and the will to cooperate. We have to be courageous. When we let our light shine, we draw to us and are drawn to other bearers of light. We are not alone. Oh, does she give, you have the sweetest smile on your face after that I know, because it's such a sweet thought, yeah. It is. Does she um, walk you through sort of like a plan for how to live through a love ethic in that chapter? Or does she give more examples about how you can choose love instead of fear Um, in certain situations? Or is it more philosophical? I think it's more philosophical. Okay. um, And talking about how society doesn't set us up for success. Yeah, okay, so, that makes sense. Um, if you can learn to, because I think we all know the difference between connectedness and communion versus like domination and power. Yeah. So if we can sense the, di- I think she's basically saying if we can sense the difference between that and realign our goals and our purpose around um, love, which is that connectedness and spiritual growth okay. of ourselves and others versus getting ahead, dominating. Yeah, um, you know, manipulating sure. those sort of forces with, which hold us back from loving. Yeah. I and, find myself craving, you know, from her like examples, but I'm sure she gives them. I, yeah, there are examples in there and I feel like I probably in my presentation am, am drawn to the the quotes, but. Oh no, I am moments, too. But, I'm just saying like, I'm curious if she, if she does, cause if she does, I want to read that chapter for myself. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, but it's an interesting, yeah. she, she does a lot of, um, philosophical sort of mulling on the topic, yeah. which is one of her strengths, but yeah. also maybe she could use more concrete examples. You know me. Yeah. I like, I like a to-do list. Yeah, for sure. I like a formula that tells me right. how to fix my life completely. Yeah. Well, I th- oh, okay. Yeah. I have a good, uh, another homework for you then. Oh my God. Okay. Um, okay. So, uh, but that leads into, yeah, these forces, which just don't, aren't compatible with love. So the next chapter is greed. Honestly, I think that we can sort of move through this one quickly. It's basically just talking about how greed is incompatible with love. Yeah. She talks about the politics of greed, and actually she has an interesting anecdote about prisons, um, you know, being full of people who are, you know, motivated by greed, but it's a natural response because we value in this our society consumerism. And so, like, we inadvertently encourage individuals to harm others in the pursuit of wealth um, that they might not have. And so um, I thought that was an interesting and honest uh, look at that. Did you get the sense that she felt like there's a um, an incompatibility with seeking wealth and love? That's a really good question. Because I, I, for me, the answer is how do you do it? I know. How do you go about that? Of course, you know. Um, my mind immediately goes to at some point in the book, and I can't pinpoint where she talks about living simply. Um, and I think that, um, which is funny, because then she also quotes that she has two houses, like one in the country and one Gosh, in the city. They could be simple houses. <laughs> so yeah, Sam. so clearly she and and she's very actually honest that she, while she's certainly um, experienced being marginalized as a, a black female woman, uh, you know, a black woman. And she didn't come from wealth, but I think she, through her speaking and through her work, she's in a very elite academic environment yes, yes. where she um, ha- has become privileged in her own right, right? Yes. So um, I think she is, I would love to ask Belle that. I would too. I think um, I'm going to take a stab at answering it and, yeah. and trying not to get too heady. Mm-hmm. I think when you love, like she just said, you come from a place of wholeness and not a place of lack. I think if you're constantly seeking more, 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 you're coming from a place of lack. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like if you're coming from a place of wholeness, maybe you're not seeking more and more wealth or if if you're – but also then it's like there's a lot of like caveats of like, well, what if you're born wealthy and you're not seeking it and you have wealth, you know, so – Oh, but no, I, I love that. Um, that just made me think it can be compatible based off of what you're saying, because if I'm nurturing, if I'm sticking to this kind of definition of like nurturing my self-growth, right, and the mm-hmm. self-growth of the others, but looking at myself, 
because I'm I'm not in a romantic partnership. So financially, I'm a single unit. Right? Yes, same. Um, and I think I've realized as I get older that security is such a basis of like your of your happiness in life. Oh, you have to not get your needs met. No, I'm talking wealth. Need- Wealth, not a, not basic needs. Yeah, and I think even in um, more specifically in terms of wealth, it's that security that I think it's like okay, yeah, you can't love yourself before you love others. You can't help others before you have a solid base yourself. Well, and how can you do maybe acts? You're limited in the kinds of acts of love you can give yourself. Yeah. yeah. Without certain financial and others stability yeah i mean when i was starting going freelance it definitely um you know i found it really really difficult to give gifts at christmas or to buy myself stuff thank you yeah Yeah. and so um yeah i'd imagine i mean we can't talk to her about it but i think basic security and 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 prosperity maybe by extension you know not not uh you know being a billionaire but having prosperity in your life where you don't have to worry about money yeah a certain I, amount, yeah. I think it's part of, in our system, because we're not, uh, you know, unfortunately yeah. just handed everything. Yeah, um, something to really think about. Something to think about, yeah. yeah. So anyway, if you're reading this, definitely check out that chapter on greed. <laughs> so the next chapter is going to be, I think, I'm making a guess here, Misty's favorite, <laughs> Community. Community! <laughs> community! Snap, 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 snap. And we're not talking about the TV show. But I like that too. But that's another great... I love you guys. I love community. Which the show or? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. No, no. The, the concept. The concept. The, okay. the, co- the social structure. Oh, my gosh. I love it. <laughs> um, so Belle uh, quotes. Uh, she does. A, she quotes a lot of other books here. But um, in Scott Peck, The Different Drum, Community Making and Peace, maybe another book you have to read. Thank you. She says, in and through community lies salvation of the world. Peck defies community as the coming together of of a group of individuals who have learned how to communicate honestly with each other, whose relationships go deeper than their masks of composure, and who have developed some significant commitment to rejoice together, mourn together, and to delight in each other and make each other's conditions their own. Oh, my God. Right? That is a beautiful definition. The To go beyond the masks of composure and yeah. they're committed to rejoicing and mourning together? Yes. Oh my God! Yeah, I know this book is full full of a lot of. Wisdom. That's the most beautiful and profound definition of community I may have ever heard. Yeah, I I love it, and it, it uh, maps I think well against Bell's assertion that it's like that stripping down to our truest selves. Yeah, and and which includes sorrow, which includes happiness, which includes these differences, and then being able to to rejoice together, to mourn together, and delight in each other, and make each other's conditions our own. So. Oh boy! Yeah, I'm gonna write that down. I'm gonna tattoo that. Yeah, it's and happening. she talks about places where that should be. It's not that it always is, and I think that um, it's funny because, again, going back to self, if you have self assertiveness, you won't find yourselves in places where that isn't happening. Yes, but if you have self uh, respect and self esteem, and you can give that to others, then you'll meet others. And find others who can give that as well. Oh, my God. So it all kind of starts to synthesize. And um, so she talks about the extended family being a place where that should be. Yes. Um, loving friendships. Yes. Um, r- romantic partnerships can be there for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, and But how, you know, you need to have a, a sort of balance of these parts because she talks about, uh, she actually gives a good anecdote of a relationship she was in where she kind of, it became like a, a that vortex kind of relationship where she lost friendships and kind oh, of yeah. was prioritizing it. Yes. And then coming out of that years later. I think later, a lot of us have been there. We've been there. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've been there for sure too. Oh, yeah. And um, it kind of teaches you. There's actually a great TED Talk on this which talks about we've kind of lost sight that we need a balance. Like we look to romantic love for everything, right? Oh, this is Esther Perel's yes, talk. Exactly. Yeah. But really it's just one component. And so if you have those different pillars of love, um, in your family, in your friendships, in your romantic love. It's also what the show Dollface on Hulu is about. Mm. This woman comes out of a long-term relationship, realizes she has no friendships left, mm. and that becomes her journey to seek those out. Yeah. It's a really fun, like, it's ma- it's got magical realism, oh, too. Oh, I have to watch that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's great. Yeah, so it's starring Kat Dennings. Oh, Kat Dennings, Hulu, okay. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, on that note, she says, when we see love as the will to nurture one's own or another spiritual growth revealed through acts of care, respect, knowing, and assuming responsibility, the foundations of all love in our life is the same. So there's no special love exclusively reserved for romantic partners. Genuine, Yeah, which is an interesting thought, right? Oh, my God. Um, Genuine love is the foundation of our engagement with ourselves, with our family, with our friends, our partners, with everyone we choose to love. Um, While we will necessarily behave differently depending on the nature of the relationship or have varying degrees of commitment, the values that inform our behavior when rooted in a love ethic are always the same for any interaction. Wow. Yeah, so it's an interesting thought that um, it reminds me of the movie Love Actually. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you know, my dear friend asked me the other day, what's the difference between friendship love and romantic love mm. other than physicality, yeah. other than you get physical? What's the difference? Honestly, the more I think about it, the more I feel like that's the only difference. That's kind of the only difference. <laughs> like, I don't know. You know, there's yeah. like there's a greater intimacy because of that. For but sure. But like with your closest friends, like what is the difference? Right. I think it's interesting um, not to dissect it too much and not to bash romantic love because it should be just as fulfilling and if not differently, more fulfilling in certain ways. Um, but yeah, why do we form? It's interesting that we've been given a society in which we form our the nuclear, the nuclear family, right? Yeah. We form the way that we parent. We form the way that we live our adult lives. In theory, we're supposed to form it around the romantic partnership as the uh-huh. main component. Yeah. But, but that's a really that. Western thing because like in India, there's this idea of joint families. Oh. You know, and, yeah. and people live with their parents right. well into adulthood yeah, with kids. Yeah. And it's like a whole... Right. Life takes place and it's not, yes, there's a big emphasis on finding the right romantic partner, but it's because families view the marriage as between two families, yeah. not just two individuals. And I think, too, like a lot of, um, I don't know, I guess uh, a lot of modern couples who have kids, I feel like, are more open now to like friends and aunts and uncles kind of having yeah. an impact on the children, well, which you, I love. You know, if they're good people. <laughs> you know, it's so fascinating. I, I'm forgetting the term for it, but there's a whole new way of living and community popping up, which is um, it's sort of like it's a chosen community. So basically, people have started um, buying much bigger houses in yeah. nicer neighborhoods with. 10 people oh. like 10 people will buy a house and yeah. they get to live in a nicer neighborhood their kids get to go to nicer schools yeah. because so many incomes are contributing but here's how it looks an older person who maybe doesn't have any family of their own yeah. is one of the tenants someone with young children uh. is there a couple who's saving a single mom you know that kind of thing because everybody takes turns making dinner. Oh. The young children get to be exposed to all sorts of people. There's always someone there to watch the kids. Like yeah. this idea that you can create your own community within your home yeah. of chosen family, not blood family, right, right. that benefits everybody. Because then the the elderly people have people to look after them yeah. and a sense of community. Yeah. And they contribute by being there and available for child care and counseling yeah. and, you right. know, and just companionship. I absolutely love that. Isn't that fascinating? I absolutely love that. Yeah. And it's how... like a cult without the bad part. No, it's not. I think it's, <laughs> it's, like it's a teeny, not a cult. It's teeny, a community. Like a teeny tiny fun cult. Oh, maybe that's a it's mini a set. What's the difference between a cult, a cult and, community? and a community? Yeah. Uh, yes, that might have to be one. Yeah. Um, but I love that thought. And I love just like how that um, community is strengthened by the diversity, right? Yeah. It. But it, and, but again, it's going back to this question of like, why do we put so much emphasis on romantic love? Right, right. When so many of our needs can be met met. Uh and should be met by ourselves and uh, and our our platonic relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So moving on from there. (laughs) Shoot. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the next chapter is mutuality, which I think, honestly, read the book. It's it's short, um, but it's talking about how especially when entering into romantic partnerships or really any partner like partnership that's based in love. Um, both partners need to be committed to it. So, but I think if you're aligning, again, her message is like, if you're aligning yourself and have the self-respect to love yourself, then you'll be looking for someone who also... And you won't tolerate somebody who maybe isn't bringing that mutuality? Who's in? Yeah, if you're looking for your own growth, spiritual growth, um, and have that in place, um, then you'd extend that same uh, 
like love ethic, those, those same guidelines to who you're looking at a partner. So, right, right. So it would be someone who's also open to, you know, these things. It's interesting. It also seems, sounds like it. this idea predicates the fact that you have to love yourself before you can be in a mutual, right. mutually loving relationship. Yeah. Interesting. It is, yeah. yeah. I, I think uh, part of me thinks, well, we're never going to be 100%. We're always works in progress. So yeah. as much as I'd love to be 100%, I don't know if that's possible for me. Well, and the book Attached also talks about the codependency myth, which yes. you can agree with or disagree with. And we right. also have an episode on that. But it's like, yeah, sometimes, you know, they'll say, like, it does take a partner to make you whole because that's where you actually learn love and acceptance. That's where you practice and it all the time. so interesting because I think bell hooks would not disagree she would just maybe challenge that a better better word would be interdependence yeah right Um, because she actually says in the book at some point that uh you know instead of codependence we should looking for interdependence which is more of that growth together right yeah growth together not i'm dependent on you for my own growth growth. yeah i like that tweak yeah so um she then moves into the next chapter which is finally romance so we're here we've arrived everybody (laughs) listen (laughs) Before we read this chapter, um, light a candle mm-hmm. in your car if you're driving. Yeah. Make um, a bubble bath in yeah, your shower. Draw a bath. Put on a silky robe. Um, <laughs> put on, I don't know, some like sort of music that has this beat. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. You get it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it needs like the boom. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sav's going to walk us through <laughs> romance. Thank you. We're on the romance chapter. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, romance. Uh, we are all capable of changing our attitudes about falling in love. We acknowledge we can click when we feel like we meet someone new, um, which is great. It's that mysterious sense of connection um, that may or may not have anything to do with love. Yep. How different would it be, however, if rather than saying... I think I'm in love, we were saying, I've connected with someone in a way that makes me think I'm on the way to knowing love. Or instead of saying I'm in love, we say, I am loving, or I will love. Yes, the verb versus the state of exactly, being. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Um, I have connected with someone in a way that makes me feel like I am on the way to knowing love. Yeah, I love oh, that idea. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so um, it's interesting because she thinks, uh, she says that, We fail at romantic love when we have not learned the art of loving. Uh, We often confuse perfect passion with perfect love. So perfect passion happens when we meet someone who appears to have everything we wanted to find in a partner. Mm. So it's like that kind of like, oh, my God, you're so perfect. I love everything about you. Which she actually doesn't downplay. She should like put down. Yeah. Okay. Um, She just says that this is only a preliminary stage in the process. Yes. In what's going to be a much longer process. Interesting. So to think that that's the state that you live in is like this constant state of waking up and being in awe every day of like, ah, like this wonderful person. Like, I'm so lucky. Does she feel like you need to have that in order to have? No. Love? She says that um, she she actually talks uh, about couples who she is close with. And I think we all know these people um, who have said that like or one of the partners said when they first met the other, they felt nothing. Romantic, <laughs> which I know a couple of people where that's the case. Yes. Um, yep. Yeah. So I think it's that's a balance, funny. but she, but she's not downplaying if you have that feeling that that is. A, she's not saying it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. She's saying it's only the starting point. Um, when you move from perfect passion to perfect love, where the illusions pass, and we're able to use the energy intensity generated by this intense, overwhelming, often erotic bonding to heighten self discovery. Um, it becomes perfect love when our passion gives us the courage to face reality, to embrace our true selves. Yeah, so you're using that onset. Like any any of these feelings of passion are wonderful, mm-hmm. but use them as a motivation to really see that person as they truly are, to show yourself as you truly are, and, and, and to grow together. Wow. Yeah. So I really thought that was a very astute um, thing. It is. I wonder why we don't do that with people we're not passionately in love with. I know. Like, I wonder why it takes that passion. I mean, I show it to friends for sure. Well, it's interesting because sometimes I feel, I don't know, I sometimes feel like that, at least a degree of that passion needs to be there for romantic love maybe because otherwise it would just be a friendship. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If we're looking at love as the same thing, but just like through different manifestations, I think then you still have all those same standards, but in a romantic relationship that a little bit of the, the spark should be there, right? Yeah, and I also find it fascinating that we all the majority of us wait for this heightened 
romantic state to、yeah. do that rather than me just going, hey. I really love my best friend. I'm gonna choose to commit to him right, for right. the rest of my life. We'll buy property together. Yeah, we'll do all these things、right. together, and I will be invested in his personal growth. Yeah, in a a, a a different kind of passionate way. Yeah, for sure. You know, like why do more people not do that? Why do we wait for this heightened state? I mean, I, I guess because it's fucking fun. Yeah, it's fun it's for sure. Sexy, yeah, it is sexy.、Hot. Yeah, no, for <laughs> But, sure. But like, other than that. Yeah, and so that's why I think she's saying when you get that, don't like. Discount that,、yeah. but it's not the foundation for love. Like、right. that is just like the like tantalizing advertisement. Like, hey, you、yeah. know, this could be a person you're interested in, but then it's going to take work. It's going to take seeing someone as they truly are behind the facade,、yeah. um, and then supporting that, and 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 not putting on a facade yourself to try and be more tantalizing. Like、yes. once you reach that certain point,、mm-hmm. you need to show your true self. And I am going to quote Jesse Chapman, my best friend. Uh, who I think he might be quoting Ramit Sethi of "I、mm. will teach you to be rich." I'm not sure. He says dating is to be seen, not liked. Ah,、uh, wait. Explain that. So, if you're going on all dates just to make people like you or feel liked, you're not presenting your true、oh、self. Oh my god. So you need to go and just present your true self and not worry about being liked because people who see your true self and like that. That's more、oh. important and filtering away all the other ones rather、I、than wasting time. Absolutely love that, and it gets my version of that, which I've been has helped me out so much recently. Has been the mantra that I, I've made of I'm looking for connection, not validation, and I think <gasps> it's the same exact idea. Oh my god, Sam! Right, but it's Sam. it's guided my dating life and helped me out so much. I am looking for connection, not validation.、Right. I'm writing it down. I'm writing it down. Yeah, oh my god! No, and I think because it, it, then I go into a situation being like, I have to be my true self because I'm looking to connect with someone where when my true self is like reverberating in the world, it, it's like on the same frequency and like we're like really connecting. I love this. <sighs>、yeah. Holy shit, so, guys! Anybody else's、um, jaw on the floor? Okay, great. <laughs> Let's pick it up on three, two, one. Oh my gosh! Yes. So there's a lot of great nuggets about. A love、um, in the romantic sense in that chapter, but then she takes a really interesting turn, and we're almost at the end here.、Um, she actually talks about loss, and、yes. so she really pulls the rug out from underneath you、um, and talks about kind of how we're in a culture that is obsessed with death, that is always hiding and waiting for us around an ambush, like obsessed with death, but in a way where we can't acknowledge it. We can't acknowledge it, so it dictates. So yeah, like, this is not the Victorian era where like you took pictures with your dead loved oh, one, you know,、yeah. and everybody sort like everybody was around a dead person a lot. Like that's not so interesting. Our society right, has shifted. Right. And I think she,、um, so she, God, there's this great quote which she says, "If we become obsessed with the idea of death hiding and waiting for us in an ambush, we are not making death more real, but life less real. Our life is divided against itself. It becomes a tug of war between love and the fear and the fear of itself. Yes, death then operates in the midst of life, not at the end of life, but rather as the fear of life. Yes, to live fully, we would need to let go of our fear of dying. That fear can only be addressed by the love." The love of living. I actually disagree. Really, I think death and this looming sense that it's all going to end and we don't know when. Yeah, gives our life a preciousness. Yeah, I actually think it causes us to live our lives to the fullest. I I think embracing、so、the agree, fear、yeah. of death and going, I'm fucking terrified of this. So. I'm gonna take that trip to Thailand. I'm gonna ask、yeah. that person out on a date. I'm gonna apply for that job. Can be、right. really powerful. I don't know that if I eliminated my fear of death, would I be living life to the fullest? I don't know. That is really interesting.、Um, and she actually gets into kind of that. She says, "Now and then, when I find myself forgetting to celebrate life, unmindful of the way embracing death can heighten and enhance the way I interact、ah. with the world, I take the time to think about whether or not I would be at peace knowing that I left someone without saying what's in my heart." And that I left with harsh words. So, she does touch on that too. But I think、yeah. there's a lot more to be said there. Yeah, like you're that saying, sounds really powerful. Yeah, I'm really glad she talked about that. We said this at the top of、um, the first part of this book, the last episode, in part one. But like, there's no loss without love. Yeah, for、right? sure. Yeah, and there's yeah. no love without loss. So is that how she ends the book on loss? No, no.、Um, so she goes into.、Uh, 
yeah, then uh, it's interesting. The next chapter is healing. Basic gist of this is just talking about the restorative powers of love. Um, mm. You know, how when you are doing, when, when you are through this process of kind of like looking at yourself for your truest self and seeing the world as it truly is, and you ha- have this clarity of mind, um, that you develop this clarity of mind and heart we're able to know delight, to engage the sensual world around you with the pleasure that is immediate and profound. To be sensual is to respect and rejoice in the force of life, of <sighs> life itself, and to be present in all that one does, from the effort of loving to the breaking of bread. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like she's speaking directly to me. I know. It's so interesting. That's crazy. In response to what we just said. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so I think it's... Yeah, as we lose our fear of death, it becomes less of this overwhelming force in our lives. It just becomes a part of life. It does. Well, also, I would say I I discovered just this year how sensual I am, including loving people, breaking bread. Like, I can't eat at a restaurant without, like, closing my eyes and, like, having a moment. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> with every bite. I know, yeah. And I'm still terrified of death. But right, you know right. what I mean? But, but it's, it's that so loving in- of life, that, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's the loving of life. That every single really moment healing. being like, isn't this gorgeous? Yeah, wow. it's, it can be a very That's healing beautiful. Thing. So, yeah, basically her last chapter is an interesting one. Is she talks about destiny. Um, Oh, yeah. So here we are at your destiny. Um, Oh, good. I've been waiting. Yeah. Basically, it's interesting. She talks about angels and... um, Oh, really? Yeah. It's interesting. She ends on this note. um, Our our cultural passion for the angelic uh, expresses our longing to be in paradise, to return uh, to earth uh, in a time of connectedness and goodwill, a time when we were heart whole. Um, And then she kind of extends the idea of angels being the people in your life who show you the way to love. Oh, so she's not talking about actual, like, come came down from heaven angels? No, I think she's using that as, like, a, an analogy for, she was saying the writers or the people in her life that she turned to to, to know this kind of love that she's talking about. Oh, I really like that And to that teach idea. her that. And that as, like, a final parting word, basically the, the kindest thing we can do, um, you know, in this journey towards love is to find the way for ourselves, but then help others know that way as well. Oh, my yeah. God, Sav. Yeah. Thank you so much oh for gosh. this epic two-part All About Love <laughs> by Bell Hooks book review. This is amazing. Oh, thank you to anyone who's still listening after two whole Y'all, long I episodes. know there are some longtime loyal listeners who are listening, and I was on the edge of my seat for this whole book. Oh, well, um, Does you. she have a website that um, we can check out if we want to know? know I, I think she might be a little old school, so I, she doesn't have a website listed. But she has so many wonderful books, literally 17 books uh, about love, about feminism, about um, combating racism, about you know, social justice. And if I find a website, I'll, sh- I'll throw it in the show notes Please do, if yeah. she's got one. Um, so here, here, very first question for you. Yeah. Did this book need to be written? A hundred percent. Yeah. I think um, she's just such an interesting uh, voice as a writer and as a thinker. And so... Well, and she's not like an old white dude no. talking about love. Exactly, which yeah. Which is what we've had for centuries. For centuries. Yeah. So she's a welcome, refreshing perspective on love. I love that. Yeah. Who uh, is this book perfect for? I really think her writing is so intersectional that it really is perfect for everyone. Um, Great. No matter what phase or what situation you might be in with your love life or your the, how love is in your life in general. I love that. How uh, Who's this book? terrible for um i don't know maybe someone who just got married to someone that is not their right partner oh no because <laughs> then they'll have to get divorced oh no i mean that must happen all the time yeah. it's happening right now it statistically is. It speaking is. but aren't divorce rates going down because people are being more conscious about marriage or no i have no I idea so. I oh so. that's interesting i feel like our generation is more conscious about it but I think, yeah, I, I hope we're all getting to know ourselves better, to know what we want and need. Yeah. To then. Because it's a beautiful thing, but only when it's the right partnership. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I guess you'd have to define what that is. Yeah. Um, so we've talked ad nauseum about what she got right. What did she get wrong? I think there that one part where she talked about honesty and didn't differentiate between honesty when you're honest about something that you did wrong versus vulnerability which is when you're when you're forthright about something that you feel necessarily maybe ashamed of 
Oh, interesting. You know, so, but that you should be able to share it open. I, I I think she didn't quite differentiate between honesty and vulnerability. Yeah, or like, oh, if you feel like you're going to be harmed by being honest, yes, right? Yes, that exactly. feels like that's the underpinning. Yeah, yeah. There. That that is on the other person. It's not on you. So interesting. It's yeah, because so, you don't want to be honest with somebody who could take that and and hurt you. With hurt it. you. Yeah. That's a, that feels like a very important distinction. Very important distinction. Um, do you have any homework for me? Uh, I definitely think the homework you said for yourself, which is buy yourself flowers. Great, great. And the other was she um, actually in the rom- romance chapter, we didn't get to this, but she wrote down a list of 10 things she was looking for in a romantic partner and then compared them, stacked them up against the partners that she had had. And <gasps> she was like amazed to see how incompatible <laughs> her list was with the people that she had dated. So oh. maybe do that. I mean, I'll do that for- too. It's a tough thing to do. Okay, so I've got my wide eyes on. I feel electrified. This is going to be terrifying and so interesting. So like writing down 10 qualities I want. In a romantic partner. In a romantic partner as I stand right now. And then examine how those, if those qualities. And then sort of like break down to my last few partners. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Do I have to report my homework? Um, (laughs) Maybe talk about the experience of it. You don't have to give great detail. The experience of it in an upcoming (laughs) mini set. Because we all know Misty's exes are all obsessed with her and listening to this podcast. No, (laughs) not a one of them. Uh, No, I've been really fortunate to date really good men. Really good men. But but it is interesting looking at like what do I gravitate towards versus what we actually feel that we need and desire. Totally. Oh, my God. Is anybody else's heart rate up? No, you're (laughs) sweating. It's fine. (laughs) Um, Everybody, let us know what you thought of these episodes. Let us know. I want to know, like, in your experience, does this ring true? Does it not? Have you read other yeah. books, you know, other books that are like this blew my mind when I mm-hmm. read it about relationships? You know, this is Sav. You did such a great job. This is well, fascinating. Thank you for Props me. for Sav, everybody. We'll put his Instagram handles in the show notes if you want to give him some love Thanks. Um, as you listen to this. But um, I, I'm going to leave here and sort of walk around in a daze, <laughs> like chewing on all of these profound all of these profundities yes yeah so many profundities so with that i think we should say may for everyone who's listening and those who are not may your self-love and equity yeah and vulnerability yeah be abundant 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 goodbye (laughs) goodbye Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know you can also find us on the social medias. Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast. Twitter at G-H-Y podcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye.